Hello, listeners of the Leaders of Learning podcast. I've just returned from a very short break to celebrate the Chinese New Year. Yay! Each year, three billion Chinese people around the world return home for the festive season. It is also known as the world's biggest human migration. Not only do the Chinese celebrate the New Year, our Vietnamese friends celebrate their New Year called Chuk Tet. Also. Our friends in the Indian subcontinent region, from India to Nepal and Tibet to Mongolia, are celebrating their Tibetan New Year called Losar. While I'm still in the festive mood, I'd like to take this opportunity to wish our listeners across the Indian subcontinent region Losar Bay Tashi Delek. Please forgive me if I said that incorrectly. Also, to our Vietnamese listeners, Chuk Mung Nam Moi Ang Kang Tin Vong. Not forgetting our Chinese listeners around the world. Sing Nian Kuai Le, Wan Si Ru Yi, Gong Si Fa Tai. Now on with the show. Good leadership needs to start with good self leadership, and good self leadership needs to start from self awareness, and self awareness comes from our ability to have. Good understanding about our own value judgments. So, value judgment is a perception. It's our perception of what is of greatest value for us in the moment. At every moment in our daily life, we are making a judgment. The value judgment is our perception of what is of greatest value to us in that moment. You're listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast, the podcast that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs from around the world. I'm your host Lingling. I'm also the founder and director of Spark Learning Solutions. We help to build thriving organizational cultures and create effective intercultural collaboration through education, coaching, and consulting. From the moment we are born, the values of our family and society shapes our identity and our lives. Values influence our choices, from the types of food you like to eat to your desired career, and even the person you choose to marry. Values are things we personally regard as important, worthy, useful, and good in our lives. They are the basis of our personal principles, behaviors, and norms. As Elvis Presley says. Values are like fingerprints. Nobody's are the same, but you leave them all over everything you do. If values are so important, why don't we understand them better? What is it about values that shapes who we are today and where we are going tomorrow? Joining us is Chris Chu. He is a cognitive leadership coach, speaker, trainer, and consultant. He is an experienced learning and organization development practitioner. Who is a passionate advocate of effective leadership and thinking skills? He has more than 20 years of working experience in large multinationals such as Shell and top Singapore institutions such as the Singapore Institute of Management. Chris Chu, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. 
yeah, very happy to be here. Thank you, Lin, for having me. Our topic today is how values and value judgment shape us. Can mm-hmm. you share with us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into this sphere of values and value judgment? Yeah, I'm interested in two things. One is thinking and the other one is values. So thinking because I, I believe that in order for us to be effective in terms of the way we engage with other people, the root of that comes back to the, our thinking, our mindset. If we are able to have a different mindset and think differently, then only we are able to engage with other people differently. Otherwise, we will be stuck uh, using the same behavior, which we may find not effective. So the root of it comes back to thinking. So that's my interest in thinking. The values part, uh, why I'm interested is because I've always been curious. Is there a way in which we can rank our values and how we go about our life, uh, determining what is more important and what is less important? So that's really kind of what drove my interest in values. So when it comes to values, the way I define it is values are things or ideas or opinions or beliefs that we find personally important to us and in our life. So that's the way I define it personally. But how about yourself? You know, How do you define values? And from your perspective, how does it shape our lives? So my definition of it is pretty similar. So values are really, in a layman language, things or intangible things that we we feel is important for us, that we honor those values, we will feel fulfilled in our lives. These are what we call values. So the intangible things that are important to us. So for example, health. Health is something that's important to us. And if you ask yourself, money, is it, is it a value? So money is not a value. What we do with the money, that is a value. So for example, money gives us freedom. So freedom itself is a value, not money. Money is just something tangible, right? We can say values are also very personal to that individual absolutely, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's very, very personal. And every one of us has a different set of values. So based on your experience and your expertise, where do you think we get our values from? And how mm. do we choose what values to adopt and what values to not adopt? We actually adopt, get a lot of our values from a very young age. Actually, the research shows that from the moment we are born to about age seven, we uh, absorb a lot of things that we see, we listen and, and from the people around us, our environment. So a lot of those values and character development is shaped when they are very young, up to the age seven. Then after that, maybe kind of stay stable, uh, doesn't really change that much. But having said that, I must also mention that values can and do indeed change throughout our lives. We may find ourselves re-examining our values that we had in the past. And as a result of that re-examination, we may then decide that this other value is then also very important to me or that value that I hold dear in the past is not as important anymore. So values do change and evolve over time as well. Uh, Out of curiosity, what triggers someone to re-evaluate their values? Because I do know people who hold on to their values so dearly, Mm. dearly to the point where it forms their personal identity in that it could be detrimental, especially if those values are uh, harm themselves or harm other people. So what are the triggers that allow someone to re-examine their values? Values are so important. Right? It's so core to us that it becomes like part of our identity, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. So it's absolutely true. And it's very hard maybe for someone who, who attaches identity to then change his value. But what will cause that change, right? For example, it will be a uh, something significant happening in their lives, for example, a tragedy or 
something really that shook their world, you know, that they never expected something like this to happen. And then that incident will cause them to re-examine their value. For example, maybe a death of a loved one. And then you start to think about it that, hey, is life really about all just about making money? Example like this, it shows that this kind of incidents can trigger a person to re-examine their values. You mentioned earlier that we learn most of our values before the age of, of seven. And after which, if our life is smooth running, we basically live those same kind of values. So what kind of conditions do you think anyone requires as an individual in order to learn new values? On the surface, right, we may look at values and say that, hey, there's, there's really nothing to learn, so to speak, because we go through life and we learn every day from that experiences, right? So on the surface, it may not be a need to really learn about it because we are just, as we are going through life, we are experiencing and we are learning as we move along. However, what I have found out because of my interest in values, I've asked myself, is there a way to learn about values? Is there a science to these values? And so what I did was I went to read a lot and I did a number of research and I discovered that actually there is a science to values and that science is called axiology. And there's this guy, Dr. Robert Hartman. He's a peer of Abraham Maslow. So when Maslow worked on the hierarchy of needs, Hartman worked on the hierarchy of values. So what he did was he actually created this whole science of values called axiology and basically describes at a very high level what is of highest value. So I will just share maybe three things. One is uh, values, you can classify them as intrinsic. Uh, you can classify them as extrinsic. And the third level, you can classify them as systemic. So there's sort of three levels uh, with the highest value being the intrinsic value. So for example, um, love is an intrinsic value. So because it's immeasurable, it's something that's infinite that you really can't measure. Something extrinsic is something that you can measure, but it may have a lot of properties, but you can still measure. Systemic level value is basically looking at values in terms of just two ways, yes or no, good or bad. If we value something in the systemic way, we are actually saying this thing is good or this thing is bad. So that is the lowest form of value in terms of how we look at uh, things or people. So if we, if we value people in a systemic way, what we're saying is that this person is good or this person is bad. But in reality, we know that, I mean, these are just concepts in our minds to say that this person is good or this person is bad. In reality, this person is neither good nor bad. He has a number of characteristics and number of value that make him a person. But we can't just attach a, a, you know, a judgment to say that this guy is good or this guy is bad. But we do that in reality because, so that is the valuation, the systemic level. Yeah, especially if you mention, right, we do it on a daily basis when we look at a book or watch a movie or meet someone new. Mm. We use our own value system to say this person is good and this person is bad. So for me personally, I know in reality that it, you cannot put things and people in buckets. There's a whole gray area. Nothing is purely yeah. black and white. So I'm not too sure about your opinion of people who live on that level of uh, value. When people look at things or people in... In a, in a systemic way, for example, I think, what, I think the example you're giving is more systemic. So they attach a certain value judgment. So all of us in our daily life, we go through life making decisions all the time. From the moment you wake up 
to the moment you sleep, you are constantly making decisions. And every decision that you make comes from a value judgment that you attach in your mind about that thing or that person, whether you are going to do it or you're not going to do it. So if that thing is of value to you, you will do it. And if it's not of value to you, you won't do it. So for example, if you wake up, so when the alarm clock rings this morning, what's the first thought in your mind? I need to work out. You need to work out. Okay, so maybe for some other people, there's something else before that. They, they, they maybe they're thinking that, uh, do I need to wake up? <laughs> Should I sleep another two minutes before you, you know, even though you shut the alarm off? Mm-hmm. So that's probably one of the first decisions in your mind. So you're already attaching a value judgment at that point in time when you wake up already, mm-hmm. whether you need to do this or do that. So that's kind of what we go through every day. We are making value judgments all the time. Maybe you could provide a definition of what is value judgment and mm. what is the difference between value judgment and values on its own. Mm. So value judgment, if I were to define it, it simply means it's a perception. It's our perception of what is of greatest value for us in the moment. At every moment in our daily life, we are making a judgment. The value judgment is our perception of what is of greatest value to us in that moment. So the keyword here is in the moment. So that's what we mean by value judgment. Values, on the other hand, are what I call the big V. So values would be the things that we say we we see important to us. So for example, health, right? My value could be health. But when it comes down to it in my daily work, for example, I'm at work and then I, I value health and I want to go exercise uh, after work this evening. Then maybe at five o'clock, the boss hands me a piece of work and asks me to do it. So at that moment, so I need to make a value judgment. Should I stay back and do the work or should I uh, postpone this tomorrow and do the work tomorrow and go for my exercise? So some people, probably guess the majority of people, especially in Singapore, I would just make the value judgment to stay back and do the work. You see, so in this example, the value judgment that we make in the moment is the one that is really operating, not what we say we value. We may say we value health, but in the moment, we are maybe valuing getting the work done, such a higher value on getting the work done or pleasing the boss. So that's our value judgment in the moment. And it's different from the, is the, what we say we value. Based on the example that you've given, doesn't it seem that when we say we value something but we behave differently, doesn't that show that one, we are in conflict with ourselves mm-hmm. and in a way other people might perceive us as hypocritical? Yeah. As humans, I think we don't necessarily do what we say we will do. <laughs> yeah. So that's only being human. But if you think about it, there is a kind of a reason behind this. So if you were to imagine our brain, right, as this funnel, and the funnel is where we have a big hole at the top, and then a small hole at the bottom. So what happens in the brain is that it's processing all the time, all these different factors. Mm -hmm. So the big value, the big V that we say we value that's important to us, is one of those factors that's inside our brain. The other factors in there, for example, our other beliefs that we have, other experiences, our personality even. Mm -hmm. So all these interact and it's all happening inside the brain to then create this thing at the end of it that we call value judgment that we attach to say whether this thing is important to me or not what is most important to me in the moment 
mm. for me to then do it. So because of all this combination of these factors, our value judgment at the end of the day, in the moment, may not then be aligned with what we say we value because we were driven by other factors in our this complex brain that creates this final value judgment. Based on what you just said, value judgment is the judgment that we make in the moment. But if you think about a regular human being, right, not everyone is aware of every single moment and we make decisions mm. all the time. So to me, it sounds like value judgment is a subconscious thing that's happening mm. within us. So how mm. can we make value judgments more conscious so mm. that we align it with our values? Yeah, so in order for us to, to really understand or be a lot more conscious of our value judgments, two things. So first is we have to understand what are our value judgments. So I think that's the first step. And to do that, of course, after my research into this, this field, I found a company that does this, a measurement. So I work with them. Basically, what we do is I do a VQ, a value quotient assessment. So people do this assessment and then they get an understanding of their value judgments. So this would then give that awareness, first level awareness of how they tend to value things in the moment. And it looks at very broadly how we look at ourselves, how we look at the world and how we look at other people. So with this awareness, then the next step is the number two, which I mentioned, which is then after we are aware of these value judgments that we have, we then need to cultivate the very important thing, the second thing which I call mindfulness. So mindfulness would then allow us to then notice what is happening in the moment when we are being triggered to act or to behave according to what our value judgment is telling us. So these are the two things that are very important for us to be a lot more conscious about value judgments. Is it important to align our value judgments with our values? I think it's important. I mean, all of us, we, we have certain things that we hold dear that we think are important. As much as possible, I would think that uh, it's important for us to align our value judgments with our big V, our things that we say are of value to us. It's, mm -hmm. it's important. Because doing that will actually make us uh, feel good about ourselves. Uh, we will lead a more fulfilled life. And in fact, if we live in accordance to our values, we are actually going to, we are going to live our best selves and be the best that we can be if we live according to what we say we value. I think in the literature and discussions out there, what the public is more familiar with is the values itself. Mm. Because not just individuals, but companies, they also say that, you know, I value this. I value health, I value work-life balance, I mm. value leadership, uh, so on and so forth. And because there's such a huge range of values out there, can you rank and categorize good values versus bad values? Because mm. in my mind, I think values are very personal, mm. depending on mm. where you come from, your background, as well as your situations. Mm. Is there such a thing as categorizing good values and bad values? Mm. Okay, my personal opinion is no. In fact, if we look at the angle of the science of values, the axiology that I mentioned earlier, there is no such thing as a good value or bad value. If we look at values objectively, there's no such thing as good or bad value. It's just that whether that, that thing has a lower value or a higher value in the hierarchy of values, but it doesn't mean that it's good or it's bad. In the work that, that I do, we define what is good. <laughs> so good in an objective way, in an objective measurement, it says that something is good it has all the properties it needs to fulfill its purpose. 
So mm-hmm. as long as it satisfies that definition that is considered good, there's no moral judgment attached to whether something is good. Because when we say something is good or is bad, what we're actually doing is attaching a moral judgment. So mm-hmm. if you look at uh, the signs of value in an objective way, we are really not looking at the moral judgment of it. So what you're saying, if someone says it's a good value or a bad value, it's based on one's morals. But whereas from a scientific perspective, when you say good or bad values, Mm. it's whether those values will give you the outcomes that you're looking for or whether it serves its purpose. So let's talk about values in the organizational and leadership Mm. kind of space. And it's especially interesting because I've met leaders who talk about the values that they hold. Uh, For example, I have leaders who say, yeah, I have high expectations. I expect high standards. I expect good work ethics. But of course, there are some who actually, based on their value judgment, demonstrate it. So it looks aligned to their values, but some leaders that don't. Can you share with us what is the link between, you know, good leadership and good value judgment? Mm. Good leadership needs to start with good self-leadership. And good self-leadership needs to start from good self-awareness. And self-awareness comes from our ability to uh, have good understanding about our own value judgments. So the way I would then link leadership with value and value judgments is that first understand how you value things, your value judgments. So that's measured from the VQ. Then, once you understand that, then the second part, which I mentioned earlier, cultivate that mindful awareness of when you get triggered and how you make those decisions. Uh, this will then help you become a much better leader and align in the moment decisions with the values, the big values that you say uh, you value, or with the big values of the organization that as a leader, you are espousing. Then may I ask, what is the impact of leaders if they're not aware of their own value judgments? They say, oh, I value this, but they behave in a different way. What are the possible impacts on the organization and their team if I they're think, not aware yeah. of their values and value judgments? I mean, the impact would be, would be actually a very big impact on the organization and the people that they lead mm-hmm. because there's very little awareness of their own value judgments. So others in the organization will perceive this leader as someone who's not really living the values that, that he is espousing. For example, if you have a leader who is uh, saying innovation is important, but in the moment, in the way he manages his staff, he picks at every little mistake that the staff make. Mm-hmm. So this sense, the perception, right? People will perceive this person as not, you don't really value innovation because in order for innovation to happen, the mistakes need to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you need to allow mistakes because innovation arises from mistakes. So that's an example of a huge impact for a leader whose value judgment are not aligned with the values of the organization. And the role of the leader is especially important because if you are already in that position, people will observe you all the time. You're Mm. constantly observed by the way you behave, by the kind of words that you say. But let's say this leader has become aware and is triggered to want to change their value judgment so that it's more aligned to their own and their organization. What can this leader do to manage the previous perception that is considered not so great? It would take time, but then people will start to see him differently because action speaks louder than words. So after some time of people, this leader behaving differently, people will maybe start to think, hey, what's happening here? People will feel a bit disoriented. No, his behavior now is different. 
if he's consistent about it and he's uh, perhaps explaining the, his actions, then over time, the people will start to believe that that he is actually behaving in alignment with what he says is value, rather than just a putting on a show. Yeah, because yeah, especially when, you know, if a leader already has a bad reputation or a bad image and for them to change, it requires a lot of effort, as, yes. as you say, and there's no shortcut to it, mm. especially if you want to start being more mindful having greater self-leadership as it mentioned. Yes, it's not easy. It takes time. I mean, I personally went on this journey myself. I When I went into this coaching, uh, mm-hmm. learning about the science of values, I, mm-hmm. I was coach. And then now I coach other people. But even though as a coach, I myself, I still face situations sometimes that I get triggered as well. Mm-hmm. Especially, we get triggered a lot when we work with people that are close to us. Uh-huh. For example, with my wife, right? <laughs> so the things that she does sometimes that kind of triggers me and I have to catch myself be a lot more mindful that hey uh, I'm being triggered you know so I need to then step back and say oh what is it what is happening yeah mm-hmm. and then instead of being triggered and letting my bias control me can I use my assets instead because the wonderful thing about this uh, VQ assessment that it also identifies our cognitive assets what assets. do you mean by cognitive assets? So cognitive assets is our way of thinking that looks at situations in a very balanced way. We are not overvaluing certain things and we are not undervaluing certain things. So we are very balanced. We look at both sides of the issue. So as a result of that, our perspective of the issue or the situation is accurate because we have a balanced view of it. And then we make decisions based on that balanced view mm-hmm. rather than uh, an overvaluation view or undervaluation view. That's really interesting. So we talked about leaders and their values. Now let's look at from a perspective of an organization. Organizations, of course, they choose their values based on whoever is leading that organization. Mm. And if they've gone through that triggering kind of experience themselves, right? How can an organization go about changing their values? Because it's not just one person, it's mm. many people mm. whose values they need to change. Mm. And how can they go about this effectively? Well, Ling, this is a big question. Uh, in fact, every organization probably in the world uh, has this question, probably at some stage, or even if they're not, they'll probably be at some stage in the future looking into this. Maybe I share it from um, personal experience of an example that I'm working on right now, in fact. Mm-hmm. So we are, I'm working with the organization uh, to see how they can, the leadership in this organization want to see how they can emphasize certain values. So in this case, the values, what are the values required of a, like a multicultural leader, for example, a leader who can lead effectively across cultures. First step is then, of course, you need to then ask, the leaders need to ask themselves, what is the purpose of me wanting to change their value? What's the purpose? We're very crystal clear on that. What's the purpose? And what is the impact if I were to change the value? Is it going to better things for my company? And what are those better things? Is it improve retention? or reduce turnover or better engagement? What are those things that is going to benefit the business or the company? Why are we doing this? So be very clear on the purpose before you even embark on this cultural change or the the value change journey. Then the second step, of course, is then, I would say the leaders then need to understand or, or rather prioritize what are these values that are really key for them to achieve what they want. Right? For example, the example I gave them, they want to create 
an environment where there's a multicultural leaders are able to lead effectively, what are those values that are important? Well, maybe uh, openness, maybe adaptability. So those are examples of values that are important. So for the company to achieve what it wants. So in this case, the second step is then the leaders need to then clarify for themselves, very spend some time clarifying what are the values that is important for us to emphasize. That's the second step. The third step is then this thing that we've been talking about just now, which is once we've identified what are the values that's important to us, we then need to then personalize it to each leader. I would recommend they can do this is then, of course, use the VQ assessment to first understand your own value judgments, how you tend to value, what are your biases, what are your assets, and then link this bias and this asset to what you want to achieve, the values that you want to espouse. How does your bias affect what you say you want to achieve? Your bias will definitely affect what you want to achieve. And how you can use your asset instead to emphasize the what you want to achieve, the values you want to achieve. The third step is then personal, how they can personalize these organizational values into how they behave personally. And VQ is a great way to do it. The fourth step is then, of course, once you personalize, you need to then spread it to the organization. And this is where the leaders need to do their work, to have sessions with their own staff, to then talk about these values. And then they can also use the same process that staff also understand what is, what is it that they drive them and then see how is it in alignment or not in alignment with those values, the organizational values. So again, they can use a VQ process for that also, for that purpose to spread it to the organization. So this would be some broad tips. Well, at least they give some directions to our listeners if they choose to want to reevaluate their values in their organization and as a leader. So hopefully they'll consider reevaluating their own values and value judgments too mm. and how they can. They're actually very different. Any parting advice for our listeners who may wish to explore about their values and value judgments? Parting advice, I would maybe suggest two things. So first mm-hmm. thing is, if you want to learn more about values and value judgments, uh, a good book to, to read or to get is this book. The title is called Answering the Central Question. Mm-hmm. And it's written by two gentlemen, Peter Demarest and Harvey Schuf. Schuf. Okay, okay, I always get this wrong. So Harvey, apologies if I got your name wrong, pronounce it wrongly. But anyway, in my research into the into values, I, I stumbled upon their work, Peter's work and Harvey's work. I highly recommend reading this book. I actually work with them now uh, for this uh, VQ and axiology. It's also highly endorsed by Stephen Covey, uh, author of Seven Habits. As what Stephen Covey says, it's at the end of the day, everything is about adding value. This book is not an easy book, uh, not that difficult, but I would recommend read a few times. And every time I learn something new, because values is so important. If values are so important, I think it's definitely worth investing the time to read it and to understand it better. So that's my first advice. So the second advice I would probably share with listeners is, yeah, do the VQ. To learn a bit more about how you can do the VQ, you can also go to my website. It's thinke.co, so T-H-I-N-K-E.co. There are videos there for you to find out how this whole thing works. And yeah, if you're interested, I'm happy to give complimentary experience to those of you who are interested to find out more about your value judgments. Yeah, give a complimentary report 
a short report on your top two biases and your one asset. So that would actually get you started. So if our listeners want to contact you, how can they do so? You can contact me at this email, thinke001 at gmail.com. I think that would be the easiest way you can get in touch with me to find out a bit more or if you're curious to find out more. Just feel free to get in touch. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Chris, for your time. Thank you, Ling. I'm very, very happy to, to be on the show. That was Chris Chu, a cognitive leadership coach, speaker, trainer, and consultant. Highlights from this episode and contact details of our guest is available on our website at www.culturespark.co slash podcasts. That is www.culturespark.co slash podcasts. In our next episode, we will speak to Gina Romero, a serial entrepreneur as well as the CEO and co-founder of Connected Women. We will be discussing about learning in communities. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you download your podcast. If you believe this podcast show will help a friend or family, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast. <laughs>